I'm Evan Knappen, and welcome to Gun Lawyer. Accidental discharges. Boy, that's a problem. Very embarrassing problem for a lot of folks. And I want to tell you, in the practice of gun law, I see this come up, and there's many ramifications that can come from an AD. And uh, if you experience AD, uh, it is not pleasant at all. And it can really create a lot of problems, in, including, you know, if somebody gets injured because of it, oh boy, that's a world of mess. And uh, even without that, your license, ability to possess firearms gets placed in jeopardy. There can be criminal charges against you. All these things can can happen from this. And so through the years, I've had many cases where we've had to deal with the uh, AD situation. Now, what's interesting is I was uh, at an NRA event a number of years ago, and it was in Missouri, and I went to the uh, James Farm <clears throat> in Missouri, and it's uh, you know Jesse James Museum. It's pretty cool. And while I was in the James Farm Museum looking at all this cool Jesse James stuff, I um, I saw something kind of that caught my eye. And what I noticed was I saw on different things that it seemed like Jesse James was being referred to as Dingus. And I'm like, Dingus? Who the heck would call Jesse James Dingus and live, no less, right? I mean, what is that, right? So I went to the one of the museum folks there, and I said, what's this stuff I'm seeing about Dingus? What's that all about? And the person said, well, <clears throat> Jesse James one day was, I don't know, playing around with his gun and spinning it or doing something, and he shot off two of his fingers. And this was kind of in front of his men when this happened. And when he shot off two of his fingers, <clears throat> there's an interesting thing about Jesse James. See, Jesse, you know, he would he was, you know, pretty stone cold killer, not a problem. He had to do whatever he had to do. But one thing he wouldn't do was use profanity. He did not use profanity ever. So when he shot off two of his fingers, I know what words I might say. You probably know what words you might say if you shot off your fingers. But what Jesse James said was dingus. And when he said dingus, his men, I think, fell off their horses or whatever laughing at this. And the name kind of stuck. And I guess if you were his buddy, you could call him dingus and bust his, tease him about it, you know, a little bit and call him that. I guess he allowed it. So that became known. He, you know, as his uh, nickname amongst friends, believe it or not, Jesse James was dingus of all things. But you see, in my practice of law, in my law office, anytime we get an accidental discharge case, well, of course, we call it a dingus case. And when we get a dingus case, there are things we have to have a lot of concern about is it affecting licensing are there criminal charges on the dingus is there uh confiscation of firearms on dingus uh, you know all these things affect the dingus pretty bad 
And it doesn't help gun owners and our gun ownership rights to have ADs occurring. But, you know, accidents happen. I get it. You know, but I had one guy, believe it or not, one day, he, what happened, he, he was taking, unloading his, his Glock, and he shot himself in the hand with his Glock. I don't know. You know, and sure enough, you know, his dingus case was bad because it shot and the police came and he's because he's wounded and they take his guns because in Jersey, that's what they do. They charge him with reckless and endangerment, all this stuff. And um, so I had to fight real hard and we were ultimately successful. You know, the thing about Glocks and they're particularly, and look, I love Glocks. I, I love Glocks. Personally, they're great. But as you should know, there's no manual safety on a Glock. So there's good and bad with a Glock. The good news with a Glock, and I've found it to be true, is they're very reliable. And when you pull the trigger on a Glock, it goes bang. But then on the bad side is when you pull a Glock's trigger, it goes bang. And there's no manual safety. So you had better treat every firearm as loaded. But you have to be very conscientious when dealing with Glocks because uh, if you have a round in the chamber, it's, you know, your your booger hook better not be touching that bang spot or it's going to go. And this is what happens. So however it happens, uh, this was a Glock accident. Okay. And he shot him. And we were able to get it all resolved. I was able to get all the criminal stuff dismissed. And I got his guns returned and licenses. And we dealt with the whole Jersey thing. And we were very successful. And I was very glad to help him. And, you know, look, accidents happen. And then about a year and a half, two years later, he shoots himself in the hand again. Only this time with a SIG. Now, how he did it with a SIG, I have no clue. But you know what he was in our office? He was a double dingus. I've only had one double dingus as a client. But he definitely earned the title. I couldn't believe it. How do you do this twice? Oh, man. But, uh, you know, that took an even greater fight, a Herculean effort. And uh, we were finally able to get that resolved, too. And we've had many different... Uh, accidental discard and 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 had another guy now this guy was a off-duty officer and he was carrying his lawfully carrying his off-duty gun and he his off-duty gun was a baby glock in an ankle holster and he was at a uh bar and he was uh there with others of course in the bar and he's perfectly legal in Jersey as a as an officer off duty. He was legal to be carrying his gun in this bar. And what happened was, in the bar, some maniac with a knife started going crazy and slicing people with a knife. And he's ripping through the bar, cutting person after person. And my client is there and sees this going down. So he reaches into his ankle holster to remove his baby Glock and uh, stop the 
slasher from injuring all these individuals. And when he does this, unfortunately, his holster was a Velcro-type holster. And I'll get to that back to that in a minute. And when he pulled the Velcro up to remove the gun, unfortunately, it folded back down again, instantly locking the loop back over the gun, even though he hadn't extracted the gun fully out. And in the melee and all the craziness, he went to pull the gun, and unfortunately, it ended. he ended up pulling the trigger while he was trying to get the gun out of the holster that had re-locked itself. And when the gun went off, he shot himself in the foot. And the whole crowd, you can imagine, with a gunshot. But the slasher actually took off. He ran out, ran away. So he did stop the slasher from slashing anybody else. But now this poor guy, he gets charged uh, where they you know, the job action and the whole bit and that they want to take, they take his personal firearms and the state wants to yank everything and his job on this guy for this AD. And what I was able to do was demonstrate to the authorities that what he had was a defective holster. And that's truly what he had. Because if you have a holster, you never want a holster where once you unlock it, unsnap it, release whatever the release mechanism is, if it has one, that that should never be a mechanism that will reset itself. It needs to be something that you have to affirmatively re-lock or re-snap, you see. And Velcro, that's not how it works. And because of that Velcro stopping in the stopping the gun and in the excitement, unfortunately, his hand slipped around and fired the shot. It caused great havoc. But I actually had my good friend Mitch Rosen, whose holster I love and I've talked about on the show, and Mitch's stuff is just the best. And I highly recommend you check out Mitch Rosen's products. Anyway, uh, Mitch wrote an expert report on holsters and was able to show why this cheap Velcro holster is actually defective and how it's something that should never be in a holster because of its poor design. And utilizing that, we were able to save the officer's job and his uh, gun rights, but still, again, AD and, and, and occurring. There's some firearms themselves that are able to discharge without uh, even hitting the trigger uh, if they're taken apart. Uh, There's guns that are known to do. You have to always unload your gun before you're going to take a gun apart, before you're going to work on it, examine it. Make sure, double-check, it's unloaded. These are fundamental steps, folks. Never take it for granted. Always double-check. Be absolutely sure. Your gun is unloaded if you're going to do anything with it. Because once you have that AD, I've had ADs where guys are shot through their house, hits a neighbor's house because it's a rifle, and there's all kinds of trouble, and luckily no one got hurt. I had another case, again, with a Glock. Fellow's at a party, 
and he always carried his Glock with no round in the chamber. And somebody knew he carried and wanted to see his gun. So unfortunately, he let somebody look at his gun that he thought knew about guns. And while he's at the party where he gets his gun back, well, apparently, unbeknownst to him, the person had racked the slide on him, and he didn't know it. So when he took the gun and he went to put it in his holster, it passed through it past his chest. Boom! He fired by accident. And of course, I know the finger shouldn't have been on the trigger. We know the rule, but he always carried condition three, and this was not. Doesn't matter. Boom. And the round went into his chest. He almost died. But he got charged because of the people next to him were endangered, you see. And it took a lot of work to win on that case, believe it or not, on that AD that happened from that. So these things can really go on. And I I remember early, early, early on, I had a case where, uh, where I worked on with another fellow who had a, uh, there was a, older gentleman and he was in his uh in his home and he was being elderly man basically being harassed by young punks on his front yard that were just harassing him and just constantly bothering him with pretty nasty stuff and you know it's it was more than just get off my lawn kind of a deal and this guy finally had enough and he had an old an old single barrel shotgun, a super old single barrel, it was like a hundred years old, and it had sat barrel down uh, in this closet for over fifty years. And he took that gun and he put it, at, pointed it out the window to scare the kids, you know, scare them with the gun. And granted, it's not the smartest thing to do, but the gun discharged. Now, luckily, no one was killed from it, but the gun did go off, and he was charged with, you know, much as somebody's harassing you on your yard, you can't shoot unarmed people, even if they are on your lawn, as much as we'd like to. We can't do that. And he was charged, and one of the interesting things here we were able to show, and this was really interesting, is that he never, never pulled the trigger never even touched the trigger. And like, well, how did the gun discharge? Well, I'll tell you what, when the shell itself was examined, there was no primer strike on the shell. No, How can this be? How could the gun go off? And what we were able to do was get expert testimony to show that because this gun had sat there loaded for 50-plus years with the hammer on the pin pushing because the pin would push against the primer and sat there for 50 years, that it created a condition called a sensitized primer. And by merely shaking the gun, moving it, without having to actually pull the trigger, it was able to ignite the primer that was sensitized from sitting for all that time. And that itself became an accidental discharge, even though it wasn't something in any way again, the person's fault or that he wanted to discharge it. So these things are out there. And I'll tell you what, at many of the old gun shops I went in, there are holes in the ceiling and there are holes in the floor. And they would always tell me plenty of good stories. I remember a place in Jersey. It's now closed. There's a hole up top, 
He goes, yeah, that was made by the chief in the town when he brought a 25 ACP in and shot it by accident into the roof. And I said, what about the one on the floor? Oh, that was a guy that came in with an 8-millimeter Mauser and didn't unload it and shot it. I'm telling you, folks, you know, people are they're not a lot of folks should know better. They don't take the precautions. You have to do that. You have to be insistent on the safety. And you may recall the story I told you when I was in court where uh, they're, they're showing an evidence gun in a bag and the action is closed on it. And I insisted to the judge. I said, judge, this is unsafe in a bag with an action closed and, and the allegation is that the gun was loaded. We don't know what can, you can't do. Judge agreed. He cleared the court and made that officer make that gun safe so we all knew it was. And when we came back, the prosecutor's like, well, now that Mr. Neppin's satisfied, and the judge said, oh, no, counselor, he was right. It's, I'm satisfied. And he's absolutely, you don't take guns safe. He was a, he was a re retired Marine. He knew. He said, no, you make sure guns are safe. And I'm telling you, it's true. And you see these problems in the practice, and I just want to tell everyone, don't be a dingus, all right? Don't be a dingus. Make sure your guns are unloaded. Really be conscientious about your handling of firearms. You because once you once you shoot, you own that bullet. No matter where it goes, you own it. So beware. When we come back, I'm gonna be talking to you about the big threats that are facing us and some things you may want to do to preempt or prepare in case these things go down and maybe even profit from them. Ooh, can you imagine? For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law, a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I am a lawyer. I am a lawyer. All right. Well, you know, we've, um, we've got a lot of things facing us. And I'm going to get into some real specifics here about the dangers. And uh, as I mentioned in the first when we we're first talking about Mitch Rosen, I just want to tell you, Mitch Rosen is great stuff, and it is my favorite, favorite holster. Just, if you you got to experience 
Mitch Rosen holster to know. I mean, I'm spoiled rotten because of Mitch Rosen. There's just no other holster for me. It's amazing the way it, it holds the gun. Each holster is formed to the specific model of the gun, and it just holds it without any keeper strap necessary. And it and, and when you draw it, it draws easy, but it holds it tight, and, when you, and you can put it right back because it stays open, and it just literally fits like a glove, and the quality and workmanship second to none so let me just really tell you go check out at mitchrosen.com uh his line of holsters and rigs make sure you get the belt with the holster because that's what makes it the belt lets you carry that holster and it is just a wonderful rig and, and you'll see what i mean once you have that you won't want anything else and uh anyway the threats that are coming at us man they're they're really, really heating up right now. It's really heating up. And uh, you got to be aware of it and know things that you need to do now to prepare. One of the things I want to advise you, by the way, is, uh, is so you don't become a law-abiding criminal, is, of course, listen to Gun Lawyer Radio, which you're doing, and I appreciate it. But uh, visit our, our website at gun.lawyer. And what I'd really like is for you to take a look at our inner circle because it's free. And you can join the inner circle. And if you sign up for that, uh, you're going to get the inside scoop from me, Evan Knappen. And I'll give you tricks and tips and insights and fun. Sign up. It's free. Go to gun.lawyer. Remember, this is what helps me communicate with you, touch base, and let you know what's going on. Because big tech doesn't care about our rights. They, they hate us. They're trying to shut us down. And as we get closer and closer in these battles, they're going to turn the screws again, and who knows? So the method of communication and our ability to communicate is vital, and that's what I'm trying to maintain and build here, the ability to communicate with my brothers and sisters that love guns. And I, I want to warn you, you know, we have executive orders that are going to come up, all kinds of nasty things, and there's laws pending right now, bills filed and voted on and in committees and we're going to get into that in a minute so please subscribe to my podcast join inner circle help get the word out i'm depending on you and such a threat right now is diane feinstein's bill now you may have heard and we talked about you know hr 127 you know sheila jackson lee's monstrosity just so outrageous and insane you know, requiring every gun that's semi-auto to be a $200 tax on it and having to register it as NFA in every magazine and just chock full of all kinds of horrible anti-gun just tr just trampling on our Second Amendment rights like nobody's business. And, it, and the best part of her bill is it shows the kind of people that we're having to fight, those that have absolutely no regard for our constitutional rights. But along comes Diane Feinstein, who's really much more savvy and a, more of a skilled politician and has succeeded in the past in getting an assault weapon ban through. Remember, Diane Feinstein got the 1994 crime bill, the assault weapon ban, the magazine ban, through and passed in 94. So... If anyone can do it, she's proven she can. So do not take this lightly. Now, when that bill passed in 94, it was sunshined, meaning uh, 
it would go away after 10 years automatically. That's why in 2004, the assault weapon ban disappeared and, in fact, was repealed automatically, and it only lasted 10 years. And that was enough for us to be put into a lot of frustration for 10 years, and it also completely distorted the market like, you know, crazy with what happened from it. And I was quite a student of that, fighting it, and the impact that it had then. Now fast forward from 2004 to 2021, and she's now put forward her new and improved assault weapon ban for America. And this bill is not as draconian as Sheila Jackson Lee's proposal. It's not as draconian as things that were bandied about before, about forced buybacks, you know, with Beto and all that. And it's not, and it's not the $200 tax for every gun and every magazine. Sure, no, that's all not there. No, no, what it is, it's the approach she was successful with. Remember that, successful with in 1994. And what this new bill does is ban, ban, it bans thousands of, of, of guns that weren't banned under the first one. But what it bans is any new manufacturer. So all of the guns that are covered, all of them, and all the magazines in her bill are grandfathered. So it ha does have the same grandfathering provisions as the first successfully passed assault weapon ban. But it's so extreme in everything it bans. And let me just highlight some points here because you may be surprised to hear it. In the original assault weapon ban, that you they could not make a semi-automatic rifle with a magazine that's magazine-fed that had more than one offending feature. So you were allowed one offending feature. That's why you could have a pistol grip, but none of the other fun stuff like it's all cosmetic, but whatever, bayonet lug, flash hider, threaded muzzle, a uh, folding stock or telescoping stock. Those were all offending features. And the guns were only allowed one, okay? The new bill that she puts out allows none, zero offending features. So that if you have a semi-automatic rifle that has a pistol grip, it becomes defined as an assault weapon under federal law. And those guns cannot, will not be able to be manufactured. You tell me, you know, how many of you out there have an AR that doesn't at least have a pistol grip, right? Well, it's an assault firearm then. And it includes thousands more guns, not just the list of banned guns, but the matrix part where it's also feature-specific of all kinds of guns that get banned. And anything with a pistol brace, and they just threw in everything but the kitchen sink here. So basically, every semi-auto mag-fed gun, essentially, is getting banned under this with some narrow exemptions in place 
for certain firearms. So what is the effect of this on you and me if this were to pass? Well, what happens is the market ends up exploding. So right now with the bill heading, which most likely it will pass the House, the real battle is going to be in the Senate. And when it and when it passes the House, which I'm sure it will, then what we're going to see is the news media puts out just how this passed and what this all is, we're going to see a major run on these guns in the short term and on magazines in the short term. Now, of course, in this environment, it's hard to get any guns at all right now. And now they're going to pour gas on the fire with this anti-gun bill that's going to make people want to buy them even more. Even more, folks. So this is out there. And then what happens in the Senate? Oh, well, we have the filibuster and it can't pass. They don't have 60 votes and blah, blah, blah. And guess what? I agree. As long as we have the filibuster, I do not believe this bill can become law because it can be killed in the Senate. But that's where the problem lies. Because now there is a major full-court press push to get rid of the filibuster. Now, the filibuster, the way it works in the Senate is you need 60 votes for cloture. If you get 60 votes, you can shut down the filibuster, and then you can have a majority vote. That's all it takes, majority vote on whether the bill should pass. But to get past the filibuster is the hard part, and really it would be highly unlikely that they could ever get past the filibuster. But if they remove the filibuster, that is remove the need for 60 senators and remove it to just be the majority vote only, then we are in serious danger. Because the legislature, the Senate is 50-50, Republican-Democrat, and the tie vote goes to Camilla Harris, who's the president of the Senate, and she casts a tie 51st vote. And you know when it comes to gun control, they owe, you know, Michael Bloomturd, uh, you know, a, a lot of money for all the money and everything. They owe him. They got to pay him back. They have an agenda that is incredibly anti-gun, and they hate us, and they hate the NRA, and they hate what we stand for. So they're going to come after us, and they want to jam this gun control down our throats. And if they get rid of the filibuster the odds of them being successful are, are good. So you got to plan here and figure, because after this bill passes, all these guns and magazines skyrocket in value. Go up 10 times in value, this law passed, because now there's a limited market to just what was grandfathered. And let me tell you, folks, if you have guns that you've wanted to get that are semi-auto, mag-fed, you may want to consider getting those guns now, if you can. And if there are magazines you need, you need to consider buying those magazines because if you have a handgun that uses a 12-round mag or a 13-round mag or a 15-round mag, you're not going to be able to get those. You're going to have to be stuck with a 10-round mag in your gun that's made, designed to fit the standard capacity magazine that holds more rounds. I mean, how many bullets uh, is your life worth? Because that's what they're determining for you. They're saying your life's only worth 10 bullets. 
I think if your handgun holds more than 10 or your rifle, your life's probably worth what that magazine can hold and more, right? So think about it. You need to stock up now because if you wait, the prices will go through the roof and you won't even be able to get them. So these are some tips to think about. Look, I hope it doesn't come to be. I hope that filibuster stays strong. But they're not fooling around. And I'll tell you what, anytime the Democrats can grab power, they usually don't hesitate to do so. And that's what we have st at stake now. Major power grab by filibuster elimination. And we as gun owners are going to pay the price. So beware and be prepared. This is Evan Knappen reminding you, gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals, but they protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.